How's it going? You are on episode four of the Get Ranked Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Dre. I was absent last week. I am back. Um, thank you thank you again to the guys for holding it down for me last week. I, if you haven't heard last week's interview with uh, Roshan McLeod, the, the, few, the former first-round pick, Duke standout, definitely check it out. It was an outstanding interview. The guys really touched on all topics. I would definitely recommend you going back and checking that out. Um, but today's show, we have a lot... A lot of fun things. We uh, decided to bring out some controversy. We're going to be checking um, our guys on some of the comments that have been made or statements that have been made um, throughout the first few episodes and kind of seeing if they're going to stay true to that. Um, so we'll be doing having some fun today, um, getting some 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 live argument type action going on. But uh, we're going to first go right into what's, uh, what's been important and everybody's talking about, the big trade between Toronto Raptors and uh, the San Antonio Spurs um, with Kawhi and, and DeMar DeRozan. Uh, Devon, first of all, how you doing out there, um, out in Jersey? And, and second of all, how do you feel about this trade? So, uh, I, I think, uh, before the podcast, we kind of talked about, uh, relax, relax Sunday, relax Sunday, uh, busy, busy day at Hershey Park yesterday. Um, but good to circle back on the, back on the pod. But, uh, I remember, uh, when the trade was announced, I was, I think I was at work and, you know, everything i Everything I was doing kind of stopped for a good 30, 30, 40 minutes. Um, I guess my initial thoughts on the trade was, I don't know. I think this just doesn't look good for Toronto unless you just are really big into gambling. And what I, what I mean by that, I mean, you look at Toronto signed DeMar to a, to a longer term deal. I think there's three years left on his deal. Um, he gets shipped to San Antonio, so they know that they're locked in with him. Um, I think Toronto, if they were just looking to clear cap space and restart next year, but you know, you you just traded away um, probably an all NBA an all NBA player pretty much right. to, for, to lose the asset that you got in return um, on a one year deal. I mean, it's it's pretty set in stone that he probably wants to go to LA, whether that be the Lakers or the Clippers. So um, now he's going to be in cold Toronto. He's originally from Southern California. I mean, the weather is going to make a significant difference. So you don't, I don't know if it's a type to... situation where he, he might end up loving it after one season. I mean, I think, I mean, the Paul George situation is, I think he ended up really liking Russell Westbrook, who's another you know, perennial all-star. Right. Um, I mean, unless he just forms a great relationship with Kyle Lowry that I really don't necessarily see. And you know, unless he's in love with um, Vander Sloot, um, who, <laughs> I mean, I just don't, I don't necessarily see, I don't see it. I mean, he's, he's a tough guy to read too. So, you know, maybe we just don't know Kawhi as, be, as good as we think we do, but um, I don't know. Right, right, right. Le- Leslie, you're, you're down in Southside uh, checking in on the podcast. First of all, how are you doing down there? And uh, tell me how you feel about this trade between the Spurs and Raptors? I'm doing well today. I really can't complain. had uh, some nice brunch from a Geppetto Cafe, and I had my, my first rolled ice cream experience. I don't know if you guys have had that, but <laughs> I'm yeah. late I'm late on the train. The I'm late on the, the train, but it was good. It was decent. Okay, okay. I like the plugs. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I'm actually going to differ a lot from Devon on this and going on the little debate take, but I, I think – it works out both for both teams. I think Toronto was in a position where 
they've put all they put all their chips on the Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan connection, the brotherhood, and they were trying to ride that through the Eastern Conference championships and, and hopefully into finals. And I just don't I think they came to the conclusion that it wasn't going to happen with the exact team that they had. And obviously it could go beyond just DeMar and Kyle Lowry. They have a good roster during the regular season, but in terms of playoff experience, they do lack. So it could just be, you know, they needed other pieces. But if you have a situation where DeMar DeRozan is barely playing in the playoffs, Kyle Lowry has never been a a very good uh, playoff player. So I think they were just looking to switch something up. You know, Kawhi Leonard, outside of the injury, he was definitely regarded as the second best player in the NBA. DeMar DeRozan is good, but I don't think he is even in the top five, top eight category. And that's what I want to. That's what I want to ask. You know, looking at the stats, I mean, Kawhi had. You know, he had a really good season, 2016. He averaged 25 and five. You know, that same season, Demar averaged 27 points a game. Demar has had, you know, more consistent, you know, last five years as far as from a points, point and offensive productive productivity standpoint. Defensively, we all know what Kawhi brings that nobody else yeah. can match. Yeah. But yeah. from an offensive standpoint, you know, why I don't understand why DeMar's taking all this like he's such a, a lower tier player when he's able to, he can get a bucket. He can get a lot of buckets. So I'm just, yeah. I'm curious about what, you know, wh- why do you think he's getting that rap? And I mean, why do you really think that Kawhi is so much better than, than- I think I, I think he's better just for the defensive capabilities. And I also want to say, I don't think that he's going to. I don't think any player in San Antonio is really going to have the opportunity or the free open range that like DeMar DeRozan did where he could literally put up 20 something shots in a game. No problem. And it, that's what they would need to do to win. Like, I think Kawhi's always been in a system where, you know, he has to be a little bit more efficient, but, and I think he does have the offensive capabilities to lead a team. And, and I can definitely understand what Devon's saying. Like, the whole situation where he's on a one-year deal. But I do think it's going to be a similar Paul George situation. I mean, one, I've heard people say they love Toronto. Charles Barkley was on Get Up saying that's one of his favorite cities to play. I mean, right. different sport, but Mark Teixeira was saying that he loved yeah. to go to Toronto. So, I mean, maybe he can fall in love with it. And I think it'll be an opportunity for him to take control, be, be in control of a team, and, you know, just continue to grow as a, a star option. And right, in terms right. of the I, I, Mar- I guess this is- Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, in terms of DeMar, I can't imagine a better situation for him to be traded into with yeah. a, Hall of, a Hall of Fame coach and a sound organization. But And Danny Green is a good player, and he's not being he's being lost in all this. Danny Green's a good player, and I think he will make a difference on Toronto. Okay, okay. Devon, do you have a point you wanted to make? Yeah, no, yeah. I just wanted to say, um, <laughs> well, one quick follow-up. Like, I like Miami, but I don't know if I want to live there. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> – like Toronto, I mean Toronto is you know higher taxes. Um, I don't know California is a high tax state, but um, but but two but two two points, real points is um from from an organization standpoint, you talked about Danny Green. Danny Green was he was in Cleveland in the D League, went to San Antonio and 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 blossomed right. Um, Pop literally coached the equivalent, I would say, almost of Cleveland Cavaliers without LeBron into the playoffs this past year. And so we're not even talking about how much better DeMar is probably going to get just from being with Pop. And then another thing, and my second point, last thing I'll finish with, with, with Kawhi, and I don't want this to be a Kawhi bashing, but let's say, let's say that Kawhi, let's say mentally 
uh, he, that injury affects him next year. Where uh, I mean, he hasn't played for a year. Um, I don't know the depths of the in- injury. Um, San Antonio was under the assumption that there was nothing wrong with him at a certain point. Kawhi, you know, was really struggling. I guess within himself if he could play or not. But I, I would be cautious if I was Toronto. I mean, you're you're dealing with an entirely different Kawhi Leonard, I think, from a mental perspective compared to 2016. It's a possibility, man. Yeah. So, so I got real quick. Just this, this the final take. What is the what is the true impact here? Do we? Do you guys see any any shake in the East of the, who you have in the finals or anything with the with the trade on either side, East or West? Um, Devon, start with you. Um, no, I I think I think the Spurs. I see the Spurs in that in that four or five, and I don't I I don't necessarily see Toronto there. I think it's going to take some some time to gel Kyle Lowry and and Kawhi together early on uh, just to get things clicking. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, but yeah. What about you, Leslie? Uh, yeah, I think in terms of the Spurs, I mean, they're a good organization. I think they'll see it be in that four or five range. I don't really see them jumping up to like what the Houston Rockets did, definitely. But in terms of the East, I think, I mean, Toronto, if they're a two seed, I wouldn't be surprised. If I think I, I don't see them below a three seed, I think they'll be in the two or three seed. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I, you know, me personally, I would say that. I, I don't. I agree very much with what both you guys are saying. I know we're on we're on the uh, the debate take, but I don't see Toronto, you know, making that jump, being ready for the finals next year. And I just think the West is too way too loaded. So uh, yeah. I, I I agree with what, what what I'm hearing from you guys. So we are going to switch up to the next topic here um, on Gear Rank on the Gear Rank podcast. Uh, so what we're gonna t- do next is we're gonna have some fun. We're going to listen to a couple of uh, clips just in, uh, either from Leslie or Devon that they've given in past episodes. Um, and we're going to kind of challenge them on that, on their tip. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about this. I, I've had time to, you know, get my notes together. Um, so I'm really curious to see what, uh, what responses we have from the guys. So we're going to go ahead and get right into it. We're going to start the next, the, the, the first uh, segment. Um, so here we go. And we'll talk a little bit about it afterwards. This might be a hot take. I'm on the – I don't know if Zion Williamson is that good. I don't think so either. I, I don't know if he's really that – what? So you can see that from my surprise that I'm shocked that, you know, you guys didn't see, have the uh, – didn't see the athleticism in Zion Williamson um, and think that he could just go and dominate uh, the college game. And then, you know, that athleticism that we haven't seen for in the last, you know, few – probably the last five, six, seven classes – where we have a guy with a 40-inch vertical. He broke the Duke um, record for vertical leap, which was um, held by Grayson Allen Pryor. Um, he's been dominating practices, according to the coaches. You know, we, I've seen some clips. My little brother tagged me in some video for Duke basketball where he's just um, just dominating all over this blue versus white uh, Duke scrimmage game. He's done it from the free throw line. Uh, I, I know they're saying Cam Reddish has a higher ceiling and, you know, R.J. Barrett's number one player. But uh, – I got. I got. I got to follow up. Do you, are you think? What are you saying about uh, you know Zion next year um, at Duke, Leslie? Starting with you. Well, first, I'd like to say that people sometimes make mistakes, and you know you say things <laughs> you're in the heat of the moment, and that's just a life lesson. Sometimes you know you just have to be able to say, yeah, you know, maybe what I was, maybe what I was saying wasn't the best thing. But also, I'd say it is still too way too early to tell, and like granted. 
the blue and white scrimmage did look really good. And I saw him shoot a three and I was like, I wanted to say the Duke's going to win the national championship next year, but I still do have my hesitations when it comes to, you know, his skill and just seeing how it's going to play out on a big screen and in terms of other top, you know, talent. So I'm really, I'm not ready to walk back everything I said, but I, I was intrigued by a lot of the clips I've been seeing and him dominate. He really is dominating. Yes. in everything I've seen. So, I mean, I wish, as a Duke fan, I wish him all the best, and I wish the team all the best, but I'm still, you know, interested to see how it plays out. Okay, okay. Uh, Devon, seeing all his athleticism and everything that he has to offer, he might be a four or five in college. He might not be playing in the wing. Do you, do you not see him, um, you know, being able to develop into to that three, or do you just think it's a, he's going to be all athleticism going forward? Like, I think – I don't know. I just think he's uh, – I think he's almost Julius Randle with a better vertical right now. Like, I mean, in, 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 my, in my opinion, I mean, I don't know. I just – I like skill – I like skill guys. Um, I know from Duke perspective that they do a lot of recruiting uh, with skilled guys. Look, I could be completely wrong on this, but I don't think so. <laughs> and I just – I just – I just – I want to see him be able to step out – um, I want to see him use both of his hands, um, which is which has been questionable from my perspective. I mean, I thought from from a from a college, I mean, from a high school perspective, he looked really, really out of shape. I know he got injured, right? He got injured, I think, his senior year, um, so he came back and he was a little bit out of shape. I mean, there's a lot of things that he, that he needs to adjust to his game. So I'm staying strong on my uh, uh, on my on my analysis earlier on um i don't know dre if you got if you got something that would change my mind i mean i I just i just the the thing about uh zion's game that you know i'm really impressed by and was intrigued by is his athleticism and how he's such a big body to your point i think he'd be really happy if he was a julius randall you know i I think that's a good upside i mean julius there's a lot of upside in the nba right now i think if he's able to get that that would be I would be happy with that for him. I, I, I mean, he's really he's pro- definitely more athletic than Julius, but Julius has definitely improved his game and uh, and, and done things to make himself a, a dominant, not dominant, but a, a scorer, an every night scorer in the NBA. You know, can get you definitely in the upper teens, lower twenties. So that that's my take on it. I, I I still I'm standing strong. I'm surprised that both of you were, were so you know not as high on on Zion as compared to the the other two big big names at Duke. But um, I, I I like that one, one went back on their claim and Leslie you know, <laughs> went back on his and Devon said strong. That's, that's good. If you want yeah. a chip, if you want to win a championship, you're you want to win a championship, like, just sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Come off the bench. You, you're still going to play quality minutes. Right. Yeah. Right. You're just not a focal point of a team anymore. Right. What, right. what is so hard about is coming you're you you're successful. Yeah. You're a top fifty player of all time. Right? You're gonna be in a Hall of Fame. Come off the bench. And in that clip there we're talking about Carmelo Anthony obviously and his decision to not want to come off the bench. And uh, we were talking about whether we decide whether we thought he was going to be he could still be a cha- on a championship team um as a starter in the NBA. Uh and I was thinking about this when I heard it the first time and I got to thinking if the Warriors were not, because the Warriors are a team that we have not seen ever in the history of basketball, in my opinion. Um, yeah. You know, five, maybe five future 
Hall of Famers on a roster on a starting five. I don't know, but uh, if you take them out of the West and the Rockets were competing, in, you know, with the rest of the bunch in the West, and Carmelo were to be their small forward, I think that the Rockets do have a very good chance to be, you know, a team that makes and possibly wins the finals. So I, it got me thinking maybe I should go back on my claim where, where Melo could still be a starting player, starting small forward on a championship caliber team. Now, when I listen to this quote, Vaughn, I don't, I, what do you think after listening to this? Do you, do you think, you know, Melo could be a starter on a championship team? Absolutely not. Like, Mello, <laughs> listen, listen, Melo needs to get a lot of things um, figured out. First of all, he needs to come off the bench. Uh, Houston lost Trevor Ariza. I mean, who's going to play defense on that team? I mean, who's going to guard anybody? I mean, no offense, Chris Paul's probably on his way um, down from a just a pure age perspective, right? It's just just from from that's what happens to short point point guards when they get into the mid thirties. Um, but first thing that comes to mind is defense. He can't guard anybody. And then his persistent need to take long two-point shots. Like, this isn't 2005, right? Like, you, like, you just got to be efficient. I think, I think Houston, Houston does play that iso ball basketball. But the thing about it is the reason why they're good is that the one-on-one players are just really efficient. I don't know if, I don't know if Melo shot, shot – don't quote me here, but I don't know if he shot 40% from the – Field last year, exactly. So he shot exactly forty percent. Just to did, he, did, no. did he really? Yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, so that's scary, right? That's that's scary to me. So no, yeah, he he needs to come off the bench. So in in that same take, we didn't get we didn't get you, Leslie. But in the same take, you were also a little little criti- critical of Melo. So it's not just me and Devon here. You also, yeah. you know, we're kind of thinking that along the same lines that he needs to be somebody that comes off the bench. But looking at his stats last year, one thing that you pointed out was that he just wasn't shooting at the same clip. He wasn't the same player. He shot actually one percentage higher from the three-point line than he has for his entire career um, last season. And now hearing the stories about him saying he was thrown in there last second, it was always a rush. Um, He still averaged 16 points a game, which is, you know, a five-point drop, but he didn't significantly drop. Are we being a little dramatic with with Melo, or, you know, is he really – slumping at this point, you know, taking a, a step back in his career. Yeah, this is one thing I definitely won't walk back. <laughs> uh, I definitely can do not see Carmelo. I'm a huge Carmelo fan. I love him. Like, but I definitely can't see him being a starter on a championship team. And when I say that, I only say that in relation to the NBA we have now. I do, like, yes, you can say if you took the Warriors out, um, you know, it's a different situation. But that's true because I think James Harden, I mean, he's the MVP. He's one of the best players in the league, if not, you know, top three, top five, top five. So, and you have a, a Chris Paul who's still productive and the rest of their team plays within their roles so well that they are a championship team with or without Carmelo, in my opinion. But in order to come, like, to surpass the Warriors, you don't need a player like Carmelo Anthony. And I think, you know, obviously you say, like, numbers never lie and all that stuff, but just the eye test, Carmelo Anthony last year just wasn't very good. He wasn't very athletic. He played zero defense. And those are two things that's extremely necessary to beat the Warriors or be a championship contending team. And I think his mentality just needs to shift in general, like saying he was rushed into OKC. I mean, I'm, I don't really even know what that means because <laughs> it never really seemed like they run a very complex offense system. Like, And a lot of his minutes came when 
you know, he was looking to, to be the primary scorer and he was really in ISO situation. So that's what he's been done, doing his whole career. I just don't understand what he was really rushed into. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, this, that, that scared me. When he said that, I was like, his mentality seems to be the exact same and I'm nervous. But he's also $2 million. So he's, it's, a, it's a good like bet for a Houston to take that you have a Hall of Fame player that you're only paying $2.3 million. So, I mean, I hope yeah, it works out. for Houston. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two million bucks. I'm, I'm still nervous for Milton. James Harden could pay him out of his pocket at, the, at, the, at, <laughs> yeah. that, at that point. But but he did get that $27 million buyout, right? Um, yeah, exactly. He's still so, getting his breath. So, that's so good for him from a financial perspective. He's, I mean, right, right, right. Well, I guess we have two people not not going back. Melo, I'm, I'm – I'm in your corner, man. I, I'm thinking that you have some some more up the sleeve to pull out, um, and a lot one more season or two more seasons to give to surprise some people. So that I'm gonna go ahead and go back on my take. Those two, Leslie wasn't even involved, but he still was like, I'm not gonna go. Back. <laughs> That's, That's funny. The, the, the That's how strongly I feel. <laughs> talking a little bit about Lonzo Ball, um, Devon was the Laker fan, the dedicated Laker fan. Every, every podcast needs a dedicated Laker fan. You're talking sports. for years. So this this isn't this isn't a post this isn't a post LeBron world Laker fan. Been, <laughs> yeah, I, I can attribute to that. Yeah, he's been a Laker fan as long. Yeah, as Yeah, he's been a Laker yeah. fan through through it all since since before the Kobe, since Kobe days. I would say Kobe Kobe started it off for him, and he never even when he was caught, when he was gone and he was having the rough years. Devon was still on the NBA courtside package, you know, checking out the Lakers play. <laughs> that's, that's definitely true. So. We have a, a clip here of Devon talking about, you know, Lonzo Ball. We'll see what he has to say and see if he wants to go back on that claim. So you see, a, you see a very steady increase. You don't see a, a big jump this season. You see a couple points, maybe an assist, assist or two. Okay, yeah, okay. I think there's more. I, how about Ron? How about you? I want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah, I see, I see Lonzo hopefully traded. To be honest. <laughs> so I have to. I have to know at this point. After seeing what the Lakers have done, um, the kind of stories that are coming out, people saying that maybe Lonzo is releasing information to kind of lower his trade value. Uh, Kobe saying that the Lakers maybe should have gotten Tatum instead. You know, are you are you feeling like Kobe's um, Lonzo Ball should be traded, Devon? This is the thing about Lonzo. Uh, you know, in, in all honesty, I think that Lonzo's game actually. Just thinking about it, his game could actually work with LeBron. The problem is I think that his father just puts him in such a rough situation that when you talk about the leaking information and stuff like that, playing with LeBron is is it you're not in a vacuum. You know, you're 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 surrounded by this LeBron environment. I don't know if that's gonna be sustainable. But but just really thinking about it. Getting up court, like if if you can, if you look back, because after, after that podcast, I started to really look at those D Wade, LeBron, Miami days. I think LeBron, not LeBron, I think Lonzo does like to play that fast paced style of basketball um, that that they kind of played in Miami. Um, granted, Lonzo isn't as good as players D Wade, um, but I still see him traded because of because of you know personnel characteristics, i.e. his father, but. Um, but yeah, I think I do. I take back the fact of I, I think I was I was looking at too much of the shooting, but uh, I, I I can see it working if if um his father could be quiet. Gotcha, gotcha. Leslie, what what about you? Are you agreeing with Devon? Do you think that the Lakers should should keep keep Lonzo, or would you be one saying that they should trade him? 
Yeah, I, I think that they should keep him. I mean, he was a first round pick. I mean, what, first overall draft pick, right? If I remember correctly. And, yep, he was uh, one. Yep. Yeah, he was one. And I mean, he, what he showed last year definitely, you know, leaves him in the conversation to be someone that they should, you know, bring back at least to see how he can mesh with LeBron, seeing as he's a younger player. He's a rookie. He can learn a lot. He's someone that, you know, should be malleable and, and, you know, his perception of the game and things he needs to do to improve. But, you know, obviously the father thing exists, but now you have a player, you have LeBron James, who's essentially a front office personnel. Or his and, father now. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, and you have to, you know, contend with magic. So I think they can do a good job of, you know, keeping his, his father in check. It's just, I think the biggest thing for Lonzo would just be producing on the court, being someone that can, you know, make a shot and score when LeBron needs him to when he's gassed or, you know, he's kicking it out. So I, I'm still hopeful for what LeBron, what Lonzo can do this year. Right. You, think he can, you think he's going to start? I mean, with Rondo? Or like, what, what, what do you think? Who do you think is going to win that? That's a good question. That, I think I think Lonzo will start. You know I think Rondo is, is willing to be the mentor and the kind of the, yeah. the, the, the sage, like, I'm going to make Rondo, make Lonzo the next, the next me type thing. I right. don't know. But uh, you don't you don't think Rondo would destroy the locker room, like I, if he I, doesn't I, start? I think it'll be good. <laughs> no, I think it'll be good. Just and like given the personality and the personnel that they're gonna have on that second team, they're gonna need a veteran player on the court with Michael Beasley. And, uh, <laughs> so I think Rondo will be like if Lonzo's on there, Michael Beasley's shooting every ball he touches. So yeah. I think they need someone that's gonna be able to control a team. And I think Rondo will like that role. I think Rondo from probably you know three maybe three four seasons maybe when he was in Dallas for that you know that stint in the playoffs when he just didn't come back with uh, yeah. Carlisle. <laughs> I think maybe that Rondo would come in with the mindset of like I'm at the you know, dog Lonzo, and he's not going to yeah. ever see the floor. But I think he's grown up a little bit um, and kind of understood that he's phasing in the next part of his career, which is going to be much more of a, using his mind, his IQ that he has that's unparalleled to a lot of people in the NBA, and using that as an asset to keep his career going rather than, you know, his so much of his athletic skill set and what he can bring yeah. from that from that yeah. standpoint. So I have to ask, so what? how would you feel, both of you, um, starting with you, Devon, like, you know, hearing Kobe talk about the Lakers sitting, should have gotten Jason Tatum, you know, they could have seen so many parallels between Jason Tatum and Kobe. And kind of, you know, it's seemingly like a lot of people are kind of going off of this Lonzo bandwagon that everybody was last this time last year, MVP of the Summer League. Everybody was thinking this kid was about to have, you know, an outstanding, you know, rookie season. You know, what do you, what do you think his mindset is now with everything? No, I mean – Look, I think one of the things about the draft is, you know, you look at team need, then you look at taking the best player. Jason Tatum is really good, right? And so I think it's less of a, a slight against Lonzo and the fact that Jason Tatum may yeah. end up being like an all-star in the next year or two. Um, so, I, so I think people are taking Kobe's comments and making it into a, a war between – you know, like, like, a, like a Kobe versus Lonzo, the ball thing. But um, but in reality, I just think Jason Tatum's just really, really good. And he, and he plays just like Kobe. And I think, I think he's doing what Jordan did. You know, you know, the point when, like, when, when clearly LeBron was, um, was destroying the league at a certain point, yeah. but then, but then Jordan just kept saying that Kobe was better at, like, at that very moment. And, he, and it's like, well, Jordan, I don't know if Jordan dislikes LeBron more than he just really likes Kobe because he takes all of his moves, you know? Right, 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 right. I got you. What about you, Leslie? 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully that lights a fire on him. I, I, it always seemed like he's been a player that's worked hard, but I mean, obviously, I hope that he uses this as motivation just to expand his game because he can see how easily. Yeah, Tatum doesn't have the floor vision and you know the maybe not all of the ball handling or the you know the passing that Lonzo has, but he saw Tatum was able to score and that made immediate impact on the Celtics team. Without Kyrie, they were able to rely on Tatum. And I think hopefully that Lonzo uses this as, you know, motivation to think I need to work on that aspect of the game so I can be relied on and not have to be more of a floor general. So, but I mean, it's also, I think it's just not a a knock on Lonzo, just a testament to how good Tatum was this year and how many eyes he opened. Here's a a question. What do you guys think a, what do you guys think a Kobe training session? I know, I know Dre, your, your, your training sessions are probably intense. What do you think a Kobe training session is like? I'd be scared. <laughs> yeah, I think I would too. <laughs> I feel like you walk out of there learning some moves that can instantly give you maybe, you know, four or five points a night just by like little tricks that Kobe has, you know, he was such a smart player that like four points, five points off of a little, like a, you know, learning how to just move one way or how making the defense think you're going to do one thing and getting a very high percentage shot. I'm, I'm sure out of those sessions, I, I try very hard to give kids a lot of different skill sets and a lot of moves, but uh, Kobe's, you know, the type of savant that, like, I'm sure you walk out of there. Um, and the guy, you work, he's working with the NBA guys, so guys who yeah. pick up things really quickly. But I'm sure you walk out of there with some some moves that you can instantly use in, in, in a game. And that this one is actually my, my, my favorite. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, going back, pulling out some clips, listening to what we had. Um Devon and Leslie are, are clearly very big Drake fans, and and I, I'm not a Drake hater by any means. I listen to too. I don't know. I listen to too much Drake to buy to, be, to call myself in any any way a Drake hater. But I'm not so much on this, you know, instant he's the goat type status. So I'm gonna play this clip, and then we're gonna get into it. That's 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 that's, just, that's all I'm gonna say. Let's just do this. I think Drake has. What LeBron James might be missing in terms of the GOAT. Drake has the accolades. He has the his hand on the culture. And he has the skill to me. His albums to me have always been, you know, hits. He has never had any any any, any flops. You wouldn't you wouldn't say there are any any weak albums that, that he's put out. I, 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 I think there's been general consistency. So I want to touch on a couple of things. First, I want to make sure I bring Devon in this because that last, another reason why I kept that last part in there, the general consistency part, because what LeBron has done over his career, just really quickly, you know, has been not just, you know, six, seven, eight years of consistency. We're talking about, you know, 15 years of consistency at a very, very high level. And if you're saying that Drake has something that's above LeBron and someone else is saying that it's from a consistent standpoint, I'm going to look, I'm, I look through, you know, Drake's albums and, you know, there's definitely a lot of, you know, Take Care We All Agree is hands down, of, you know, probably his best album. I, I, nothing was the same as one that you can't argue. So Far Gone, if you're reading this, it's too late. Those are all, you know, I don't think you can debate them very much. Great, great, great albums. But then you have a whole bunch of, you know, I don't think, I didn't like Views, uh, Thank Me Later. And there's a lot of albums that Drake has put out and it, it's been a, a very small sample size in 2018. We're talking about maybe two out of ten. So it's been eight years that we're, we're already ready to give this guy the GOAT. And when I look at people like Jay-Z, and I look at what he's put out for such a long period of time, you know, from the blueprint 
you know, reasonable doubt. And I can really break it down. I'm ready to break that down. I'm going to let you guys, you know, talk for a second. But, like, how can you give someone the GOAT status if they've only been doing this for eight years? And in those eight years, I'm saying maybe definitely four that are really good albums, but the, the, the rest of the, the other, like, six or seven, I don't know if, they, if you can call those, you know, like top GOAT-type albums, in my opinion. I mean, I guess I'll start this off because I'm the biggest stand here. Um, <laughs> I I think the way Drake has just shifted the culture, it, it's just, it's wild. Drake, <clears throat> Drake is, if you go back to the 90s and where hip hop was, right? It's like, you know what, it, you know, take whether you live in the inner city, whether you live in the suburbs, there was a certain amount of aggressive content that people consumed. Drake has made it okay to be to be able to shift between cultures, right? Um, Canadian in Toronto, um, you know, Jewish kid, uh, you know, just just trying to adapt being, you know, biracial child, things like all types of things going on in your mind. He hits everything from a cultural standpoint. So he makes, he makes everyone in life have a certain level of relatability, if that's even a word. But I, I mean, I th- and so I think just pure shifting the culture I don't know if Jay Jay that's, put out a lot a style. of that's a style. That's a style. That's a style that you know he, he, that, that that has nothing to do with his his mu- his musical genius or what kind of stuff that he's put out. That's who he. That's the who he is as a person. Someone like Jay Z can't help that they are just this kind of person that is like the stereotypical typical hip hop. Drake happens to be different and he made his way in that, but that doesn't make him in any way a goat. It just makes him you know someone who's different. And that was part one I was getting to. <laughs> part two. Part two. We just have to look like I mean, I, I'm right now. I'm, I'm just I'm just sitting on my iPad right now. He has he's had he had eight number one albums on on the Billboard Top 200, right? Like I mean, I mean, did he get like a billion streams on on his last album? Jay's last album. He needed and I love Jay. Jay's like my second favorite right now. Jay needed Sprint and a free title subscription to get the to get the platinum right away. You know, so so I, I mean, this is I'm, I don't know. People are talking about um, you know Spotify and Apple Music and their excessive Drake marketing. I get it, but in the end, I mean, well, there's the a end, reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's hot. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I want to let Leslie go because I, I mean I have, I want to I want to go back I want to get back to have some rebuttals to what you said, but Leslie. <laughs> What I just what are you off top? What are you what are your general comments early on with you know what I mean I I just Drake just does it all for me. He's he's like a switch hitter. He can pitch, he can hit, he can <laughs> I don't he can he, he does it all. Like there's never a mood that I'm in that Drake couldn't you know, Drake doesn't have a song that could cater to exactly what I'm feeling. And that's his versatility. And I think from the culture perspective, and I understand what you're saying, you can't you know, fault Jay-Z for being the person that he is. But I think in terms of what Drake has been able to do culturally and incorporate that into the music in a very, you know, positive way, in a way that it's, it's done so beautifully. Like, his, his dance hall vibes and everything he does, it's it's not just, oh, he's biting these cultures. He's doing it and he's meshing it and producing something that's palatable to all different kinds of people. And at, at the quality of his music to me has just always been perfect, like top notch. I feel like every album he pushes himself to get better. And I mean, I'm also a little biased just because 
granted, I'm a Brooklyn boy, and I, I'm supposed to love Jay Z. I just never really liked his music that much. Oh my goodness! Oh and my I, goodness! I, I, and let's go on the record. I did not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, that just I, I've just never been that big of a Jay Z fan. So it's never been a discussion of who is this between for me. It's just as Drake has just consistently been that artist for me. Giving so someone a goat type thing, like. It, he had maybe like a Brandon Roy type career so far. He's been oh, very, oh come very, on, very, Brandon very Roy. But it's for a very you don't have a very big sample size. He might I, okay. All right, that was wild because Brandon Roy didn't. <laughs> see the I, that was a little too far. But from the standpoint of like how long he's been doing this for, we don't really. Like, it's like a Barry Sanders. There, that's perfect. It's like someone that really can change it, but it could be for a very short period of time. I don't. We don't know how long he's been doing this. So just I want to go because you I keep hearing versatility. All that's telling me is he's different. Like that doesn't mean anything to do with <laughs> what kind of music he's putting out. But Drake has bars. Different kind of music. And Devon, what you said was you know music has changed so much over since like the '90s. We are really in like the Bob Cousy era of music for us. <laughs> like your kids and your kids' kids are gonna be like, oh, that was back when like streaming just started. Like when they're talking about. Drake's numbers, they're talking about, I mean, it's going to be so early on that we're talking, like, these things have just changed, and we're getting so hyped up about, oh, all these records, but 10 years ago, you couldn't even, you know, keep track of how, of streams, you know, per artist, like, it was a whole different world, so we're really early on, and I think we're really getting overly dramatic when it comes to, you know, what num the kind of numbers that Drake's doing, and because we have a lot more access to music than we ever did before, so that's why I want to say to, to, to Leslie talking about, you know, Jay-Z just just, I just want to. I know Devon's on my side. He, he's not. He's not knocking Jay Z. Just if yeah. I go to the, to the to the blueprint, and there's like you know, the, there's H to the Izzo, V to the Izzy on there. There's you know, Takeover. There's Reasonable Doubt, which you can go like to like Dead Presidents. You can have like Can't Knock the Hustle. You have a lot of different type of vibes. You have Big Pimpin' on Volume Three. Like you have a whole bunch of albums that give you a whole different vibe. And then you come all the way to 2017, and then see the four, you know, the 444 album. And see how he like has evolved as a person, how much his music has changed. And you know, I'm saying all these albums, and my favorite album is the Black album, and that that's probably the best album. But like, I don't think that Drake has put out an album that can touch the Black album, in my opinion. Because so how many hits are on the Black album? You know, it's so crazy because I I I, I was I'm so happy that you brought this up <laughs> because I went back the other day post leaving the gym. And listen to Take Care. Yeah. And Take Care is actually a classic. I, like, I would say yes. I, I agree. It, it, it's better than, I think, first listen back in, I think it was 2011. It's just, there's so many timeless records on it. Like, timeless. I mean, I think, I think that is Drake's Black Album or Blueprint. I can take care. Um, but the thing, but also think about, think about what Drake does from a from a features standpoint and how he helps out younger artists. And we talked about this earlier in other in other podcasts. He's bringing a whole London vibe, um, Canada. I mean, I mean, he's doing something that at this point in Jay's career, I don't know what Jay was doing. I mean, he did help Pujabi MC and the Rock, but besides. Besides, and, then, and then maybe the Lincoln Park. So maybe I could backtrack a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> he's the goat. He's the goat, Jay. This, 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 
my question for you, are you saying are you not limiting like Drake's skill? Are you just saying it's just because Jay-Z's been more consistent? Or are you saying that Jay-Z is a better lyricist and he has been consistent? Well, listening to listening to the reasoning behind what you guys were saying and you know why he's the GOAT. Deron quoted, you know, general consistency. There's no argument that Jay-Z has been more consistent than Drake. Yeah. So true, from, true. from that standpoint, I can't see how you can put Drake above Jay-Z as a GOAT. And, you know, what you're talking about and shifting the culture and, you know, being able, those are advantages that other artists just don't have that opportunity to just because yeah. they are. And how they I hear are. you. So I, listen, he's my GOAT. Care. Go ahead. He's just my GOAT because I like, I think he makes the best music. I, yeah. All of those things are additives as to why I think he's so important for the culture and, you know, you know, kind of encompasses why I think he's a GOAT from a larger music perspective. But if we're talking just strictly rap or just like his lyrics, I've just always liked what Drake's been able to do with the, you know, what his words with his pen and paper out, even outside of all the new like London vibes and things that he's been, you know, incorporating lately, even outside of that, take care. That's the most pure like Drake form. And I think that's it, the fact that that was really his coming album. out party. Like, black, I, my thing is, that's what he kind of started. He peaked really early. Like, I don't think he's had anything that I don't think he has peaked. matched that. The Black Album wasn't his, wasn't his first album. The Black Album came out, you know, down the road. And that came, I'm talking about like, you have nine on problems. You have, you know, Encore. You have Dirt Off Your Shoulder. You have, when did that come out? When I did say? the Black you Album have, like, come out? You have like ageless, timeless classics all on one album late, like, you know, six, seven years later. I don't think Drake has given us the same type of thing six, seven years later. I didn't like Views. I didn't think Views had that much. You know, to Here's the question. So, so Scorpion double album just didn't do it for you. Scor- Scorpion and More Light are like, eh, cool. Like, those are good what? albums, but like, they're not, they're not classics. <laughs> and, that's, and that's just how I'm going to go. I like if you're reading this, it's too late more than I like More Life or, you know, Scorpion, in my opinion. So, okay, so for, for every for every black album blueprint four four, there's also and I like these albums again. There's also Magna Carta, Holy Grail, and Kingdom Come. So I mean, n- no one brings those albums up. But there's also Watch the Throne. There's it's it all over the place. It really depends on what. I'm like he has. I mean, they both have. You know, Drake early on. I didn't even count Drake's 2007 when he was still on the Grassy album. I'm talking like I think Take Care really came out, but I just think we're really blowing. By a number standpoint, you know, getting a little too excited just because we're 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 in a new age, you know, with these numbers, and I just I just don't know. So, so in your argument, so where do you have um, uh, Biggie and Pac? I mean, those are very very small sample sizes. I mean, not I think Pac had much more of a sample size than than Biggie for for me. He definitely, when definitely. He put out. Yeah, but uh, I mean. From a, how much they've had things that have changed changed the culture and had things that are like timeless, it would be the same as you know I would say any NBA Hall of Famer that's been to the the finals you know one or two times like a, a, a I don't know like a, not even a not a Larry Bird but a, like and and Isaiah Thomas like there there are people who really were timeless to the to the culture of rap and were always going to be remembered as greats. But they don't have the sample size to put themselves as goats. I can, I okay, I I can agree because they're. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact of you know their untimely demise, which is of course really really sad. Yeah. Um, but Jay Jay 
Jay's definitely at the top right now. Right. No, no, at, at the top with what I'm saying is Oh my goodness. So you're not you're not what I'm saying Jay's is, the goat. Yeah, yeah. He's not he's not giving it. You're not saying No, Jay, no, what I'm saying. You're not putting Jay as Michael Jordan. This is what I'm saying. If if, if for all these conversations that are that are saying that that um that LeBron is better than Jordan, Jordan, LeBron, whatever, whatever. My conversation is look. If you're having that conversation up there, I think Jay is Jordan, and I think that Drake is LeBron. Okay. Um. So I think, in the end, for those folks that say that LeBron is either on par or about to become, you know, better than Jordan, then I, I'm saying the same thing about Drake. Like Jay better, he better take Puma to another level because Drake's coming. <laughs> and I'm saying Drake is Jordan. LeBron, Everton, uh, 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 Tony Kuko. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. So I, neither one of you really went back. I mean, Devon kind of went back. Listen, if if I think LeBron and the, and the Jordan argument, it's pretty it's pretty hard for people to make the LeBron argument from a, from the media standpoint. If you go to your local barbershop, I'm sure you could hear some really hard yeah. uh, LeBron fans. But uh, from the media standpoint, they really you know not letting go of Jordan being. The goat. So what 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 Devon said, I can I can I can live with that, and I can I can go off that. Leslie, just you know, another day. I'm on my own here. I'm another on my day own. where we're just not going to. I'm not going to agree. But yeah. uh, that's. And, that, and then, then we'll do a, we'll do a full pod on Chance the Rapper one day. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a that's a that's a group chat. That's group chat. Yeah, group chat. Right. <laughs> well, uh, thank you all for listening. You know, it's been a you know great episode. Hope you guys um, enjoyed the, the little debate and going back. That's a segment we're going to try to do. Um, you know, every I would say probably the end of every month while we recap, you know, the first few episodes of the month. Um, so, yeah, look, that was our first month. Uh, July is, is done in the books. Um, we look forward to, to giving you some new content here in August. So this is Dre. I'm signing off. Uh, Les or Vaughn, you know, you got anything to say? No, thanks no, no. Yeah, thank, thanks, for, thanks for listening. And, um, and, and Dre, I think Dre is too too humble to do this, but I'm just gonna plug Get Red Basketball. <laughs> Hit Dre up. You need to train your kids. You need exactly. to, you know, follow him on Instagram. Uh, you know, wherever else he's at, you know, he, he know he knows his stuff. So I'm gonna plug it for him. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. At Gaming Basketball on Instagram, at Gaming Basketball on, on Facebook, and then www.getrankedbasketball.com. Working out kids in the Western Pennsylvania area. Um, so yeah, reach out. We uh we love going getting to work. Um, we're we're approaching the last few weeks here, summertime. So before school starts, you know, going back to college or whatever, come come get right, come get fresh, and uh check us out. Leslie, how about you? Anything anything before we go? Nothing big. Thanks for listening. This is a great episode. I really enjoyed doing this with you guys. So uh, hopefully, you know, we keep this train going. And I don't really have anything to plug, but um, <laughs> if you want to talk <laughs> Chester rapper, hit me up. <laughs> 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 All right, guys, I'll see you. All right. Perfect.